You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 75. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Hi, everyone. This is Ed K. Smith from the Business Marketing Show here with my co-host, Brendan Tully. And uh, today we are going to be doing an episode on all about starting a digital marketing agency and what that encompasses and what you should uh, look into and think about before going down that path. So, Brendan, how are you, mate? Good to have you on the podcast as usual. It's great to be here, Ed. Thank you. Yes. We've just been working out some technical things, as we always do, getting getting some stuff sorted. Brendan's got a new laptop. He's been having some fun with that, getting it getting it nutted out. So uh, we thought something different would be to talk about what it's actually like running a digital marketing agency, seeing as Brendan and I both run our own agencies and uh, how we got started and is in, involved in doing that. So let's get cracking. Yeah. I guess, uh, I don't know about you, but I had been, especially lately, I think, or this year, several times I've had conversations about people who either already have agencies and they're looking to change direction or do more online stuff or uh, people who've just started web agencies or have uh, you know new web agencies. And just, I guess it's like, Doing a lot of lunchtime conversations about this sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, why not record a podcast, eh? Why not? We have the technology. <laughs> so there's, you know, there's a list of as long as our arms about what is involved and what you need to do to actually run a digital marketing agency. So, I think probably one of the first questions that you would really need to ask is why. Why do you want to set one up? Um, what's what's the purpose? Is it because you really love digital marketing and you just can't get enough of it and you love helping businesses with their digital marketing? Or is it just because it seems like a hot topic or, you know, there's a lot of people that seem to be starting them these days? Uh, so, yeah, why do you want to get involved? Why, why did you want to start a digital marketing agency, Brendan? I was going to ask you first, Ed, but... Too late. <laughs> well, uh, I used to have an... Well, exactly the same as you, pretty much. Yep. Um, yeah, I used to have an IT company. Mm. So, um, doing small business IT support for people and such. Uh, oh, and we also had a big online store. So, we had a, a huge online store that was doing millions of dollars a year in revenue. And that was all primarily through um, there was no real social networks at the time so it was via SEO and basically like forums it would have been the social media of the day um, so that's how I got started in kind of the online marketing thing and that was early 2000s so I I'd never really I didn't know what SEO was but we knew if we changed certain things on the website like these title and meta description fields we'd really no idea what we're doing we're stabbing in the dark but we knew if we changed these fields we could rank higher on Google so that's kind of where I started so that was like 2002 2003 something like that mm-hmm. um so fast forward to 2008 when um finish at those businesses both of them um People started asking me about this. Well, people call it CEO sometimes, but it's SEO. But they were like, yeah. can you help me with the CEO thing? Or SOE. Like, <laughs> SOE. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I kind of started doing that bits and pieces. And, um, yeah, it grew pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, it had become like a, a fully from a kind of freelance thing here and there in 2008 to 2010, which I think is well, maybe 2009 when I met you. Uh, yeah. yeah, had become like a, a full, well, a, a proper business, like a full-time thing with, with staff and people. So um, that's how I got into it. And it kind of, I mean, it's very relevant to IT. It's not the same as IT. And there's a lot of IT guys who will want, who try and sell their clients' websites. But um, hmm. yeah, for me, like uh, it was kind of a blend of technology and, and 
the commercial skills I had and the selling skills I had. So that's kind of in a way fell into it, but it was really based on um, my experience and what I'd be doing, had been doing up to that point. I didn't, like I see, um, like you said, kind of is like the hot new business to start. Everybody wants to be a, an online marketing consultant because they kind of see it as a, it's a bit of a, I guess it's kind of perceived as a gold rush right now. It's, you know, people yeah, yeah. jump in. It's yeah. like anything, like at the in, around the the 2010 mark, everybody was a social media consultant. Well, so. I think they still are, but <laughs> it seems that way to me anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's how it came about. And, um, yeah, over time it's grown. And it was really, it really took off when um, we both, uh, when we started doing workshops, that joint venture we started in 2010 to do workshops and training for small business owners all around the place. Mm, yeah. Um, which, you know, became a, an easy way to get in front of customers, but probably even better was just a, it kind of really reiterated how much the typical small business owner doesn't know when it comes to technology. They don't know what Skype or Dropbox or all these other things are. Um, they're starting from a, a pretty low base. Um, so I guess that was a great way to get in front of those people and understand what they needed as well, right? And um, where they were in terms of the market and, and you know, their business as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, uh, I feel very similar in terms of your, your starting and my starting because I was in the same scenario. I had a computer supply business that I ran from the start of 2001 through to the sort of early 2003. And uh, I had no staff. It was, it was just me. And I wasn't overly in the in the technical side of things. More I was just supplying hardware, uh, laptops and desktop systems and the occasional bit of networking, but that was about it. And... Uh, yeah, started using Google AdWords in about 2002 for myself. And then just in conversation, people would, would say, oh, what's that Google uh, Words thing or you know, whatever they would call it, Google AdWords. And, and then I'd start helping them for free. I wasn't charging friends who had businesses to do it. And then the light bulb would just went on and thought, this is potentially way more profitable. Mm, Sort of less hassle, like computer stuff. You know what it's like with computer stuff. Things break down or you get a phone call and then, you know, 7 o'clock at night and they can't turn something on or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was <laughs> <laughs> all those sorts of constant hassles with computer-related stuff. And it just sort of took over. So, again, a bit like you, it wasn't really a conscious decision. I didn't just wake up one morning and go, wow, I really want to start a digital marketing agency it sort of evolved. It, it it became clear that it was a more enjoyable option. Gave the the ability to be and work pretty much anywhere and have an internet connection, other than maybe you know meeting clients if you're doing that. Uh, so yeah, so that was 2003 that we got started. So that was when AdWords marketing, which was what it was called back then, because that was the main thing we, that I was doing was consulting with. Google AdWords, and then it evolved, and then my business partner, Alan Stewart, came on board in around 2004, 2005, uh, bringing on more of his skill set of stuff, and that's when we started doing web development and got into more things like that, and we were doing uh, uh, on-page on SEO and various things for people. We weren't going mm-hmm. to do as much SEO advancery as you. Uh, you're, you're the SEO guru. Um, but yeah, just, it, it just sort of evolved and it was still like, it was the wild west. I still think it is the wild west really. I mean, there's, there's a lot of opportunity for agencies to, to deal with companies, but, uh, yeah, so that was how we got started. So we didn't really have a, a major why, but it, it, it evolved over time and became very clear why we want to do it. And uh, still to this day, the flexibility of running this type of business is is fantastic. Um, and it, well, the thing the thing that appealed to me about it versus running so the IT company we had at the peak had twenty five odd staff and two offices, and it was just it was um, I guess in the IT space for me, you were 
it was just dealing with problems all day long. You don't need, it was kind of this break fix kind of thing where you'd only talk yeah. to a customer if stuff was broken. So we're kind of dealing with, well, for lack of a better word, you're dealing with negativity all day because something's broken and people can't do their work and they're not happy and then they see you and they associate you with not being happy. And it's just, I don't want to sound woo, but it's kind of like just this bad energy all the time. And it's kind of this, uh, there's the, a level of pressure that's always there, a level of stress. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and when the phone rang, the phone rang very rarely for a good reason. <laughs> yeah. But like with the online marketing, there's there's definitely stress, like websites go down and stuff. But it's um, like a, in IT, if you, you, know, you do a great job and you get the thing fixed, you bring the customer from a negative 10 in their emotion back to a zero that, you know, they're just it's working that's great you've done your job whereas in the online marketing space you do a good job you bring someone from a you know let's say like a zero is the middle yeah. you bring them up to a 10 like they, you know you have an ad, an ad campaign that works really well they're stoked their business grows everybody's happy they're happy with you you're doing a great job you have a you yeah. know ongoing relationship that works for both yeah. parties so that and was they, one of the things and they tell I, yeah exactly like that really uh that was probably like when I talk to people, that's like one of the big differences between then and now is um, just that energy. Like uh, there's, there's definitely stress and things break and things don't work. And, you know, from time to time you have unhappy customers. That, but that's probably one of the biggest differences in the business and the bit that I liked about it as well. Like you're still solving problems in a way, but they're just mm. everybody's happier basically. Yeah. And one of the advantages, and I'm assuming the majority of your customers would have been locally based like unless you had customers in melbourne and you were using other people to sort them out but is that right most of your customers were in the perth area um yeah yeah when we started they were mostly local um i mean that was a long time ago that was 10 years ago so Mm. today everybody it's the, the world's different place people are comfortable doing video calls and doing business over the phone whereas back then people really you had to do a lot of in-person meetings and things like that so now we have customers everywhere mm. like we have customers all across australia and customers in the u.s now that's it's not necessarily easy with the time zone because there's basically 12 yeah. hour time difference but um but you don't physically need to be there and a lot of it stuff you, know, you, you yeah. physically need to have someone there and it's changed now yeah. a lot with all the cloud-based stuff and you're probably you know quite a few of the services that you're providing and we provide now they were not available back then they they, they weren't even an option it was all physically mm. based hardware stuff for email servers and various bits yeah places, i mean so. you, you need a five or ten grand server and then yeah five or ten grand worth of software licenses on top of it to make it work for what now you get today with a $5 a month Google Apps account, effectively. Yeah, it's, so. it, it's a joke. And even if you've got to pay someone uh, you know, like you or me to help sort that out, then that's not really that expensive. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. look, yeah, ultimately setting up a business, any business, it, very rarely is there any overnight success. You've got to put some hard work into it. There's sometimes late nights. Some blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, you know, so it's it's not like it's all sunshine and petals and roses. Uh, you've got to put in some grind, and things don't work out as you want them to, like any other sort of business. But uh, it comes really to the next point of having the right thought process, the right mindset, however you want to call it, and um, and having a ha- having a good way of thinking about your business and having some sort of strategy in place that allows you to see where you're going and have a have some goals so there's really two points there coming up next is having that mindset and also having uh some clearly defined goals of what you're trying to achieve what is it you want to do with the business is it to generate a certain type of lifestyle is it to generate a certain amount of money um is it to build a huge business that you can then on sell if that's what you want to do so, and you and I have been talking about that sort of stuff recently. And mm. so, so what are your thoughts there in terms of having the right mindset and goals? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess when you start any small business, you know, the initial goal is to you know to make a, a livable income from it. Um, but yeah, I agree. If you go in, I mean, you need to be careful. Like, um, it seems to be like we talked about that. Like, it's the fad right now. It's like one of the hot businesses to start. Um, you know, just like starting creating your own app five years ago was the thing to do. Now, running a marketing agency is the thing to do. Um, but yeah, I think you need to walk into it. 
being clear with what you want out of it because it is uh while there are plenty of training products out there even like google has free training the google partner certifications they have free training to teach you about adworth and stuff there's a lot of um business science that goes into a lot of this stuff it's not simply ranking a business at the top of google or running an ad campaign there's a whole i find that most of the work i do with clients now is is really around commerciality um business fundamentals marketing strategy business strategy and that sort of thing and all the rest of it is really just mechanical um and that i that's actually what i like i prefer doing that kind of high level strategy stuff and our team take care of a lot of the on the tools and tweaking websites and that sort of thing um but yeah i mean you i mean going into it with a you know whatever the the end goal is in mind it's going to get you a better result and there's all different sorts of agencies right you can be a one-man freelancer or consultant and i mean you can run a, a huge agency with tens or hundreds of people um i'll yeah, be talking yeah. about one we're uh, we're opening an office next month so we're changing the team have been we've run a kind of remote work team for the last several years now um and we, we're changing that because as we grow it's just some things are just better to have a team in person so um yeah it actually took a long time to come to that decision to decide you know Right now, uh, you know, I, I would prefer separation between um, home and office, and uh, you know, to grow our team, it's it's just easier to do with a, an office. But um, yeah, I mean, the agencies come in all flavors and sizes and, and whatever. But yeah, 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 I think um, you need to be clear as well because you end up with a scenario where you take any client, and you know, a lot of clients don't understand the value of this sort of stuff. Like you just, while at the start, you know, there's a tendency, you you, you got to pay the bills and have enough to eat or whatever but there's a tendency to take any client for any price which isn't necessarily good because you know this stuff it has to be profitable when you do it you can't yeah you know it's you need to make money out of it and the customer needs to you know they need to be paying a fair price for fair value i guess so. yeah i think that's where it's important that if you're going to be transitioning from doing one thing you may have a job or whatever you're doing and you're thinking of setting up an agency to have it some sort of buffer, at least six six months of income put away, I would say minimum, so that you can make smarter decisions on your clients and, and not just taking on jobs for the money because they never work out. They The ones that you compromise on or do discounts on or, or, or go against your principles of what you typically would do, uh, they are always the ones that come back and bite you and turn out to be a pain in the butt. So... Give yourself a bit of space. It's there's always two schools of thought: burn your bridges, and you know, then just go for it and run. But that's you, that's when you, I think typically you end up making poor decisions and taking on work that you typically wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and I have a criteria for clients as well. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, there's some types of businesses that are going to work well for some types of marketing strategies um and some are going to be very difficult they're going to need like there'll be some types of businesses where um customers are actively searching for that that product or solution or whatever it is like people looking for a local dentist is going to be very different to as say a, an online store selling makeup or cosmetics they're going to be two completely different marketing strategies and i know for us the the dentist or medical profession professional is more our type of client whereas the cosmetics business is not us at all because that's like Instagram and Facebook ads and a totally different strategy and is not suited to our, our the yeah. way we work and our products and services. Yeah, exactly. And we are very service-based business-oriented for all the work we do. We don't take on e-commerce. E-commerce is just a pain in the backside and people don't realize how much time goes into doing marketing for just a single product. There's almost as much time selling a single product as it is selling a service and the product you might make ten dollars on and the service you could make a thousand so it's sort of it's a very difficult space to be in 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 my book and it's one we chose not to to uh, actively be in yeah we do some i do some e-commerce consulting but it wouldn't be we don't do seo specifically for e-commerce businesses because like you said like Take the dentist. The dentist might have 10 core services they offer, if that. Um, so that's effectively 10. Let's say they have 10 services you, that need a marketing strategy, whereas an online store, if it, even if it's a small online store, would have 
easily 100 products. That's 100 products you've got to do marketing for. So it's, it's a completely different approach. And then, yeah, I mean, you've got to look at um, their, your client's customer lifetime value. So if the client is selling $10 widgets, it's going to be very hard for, um, you know, unless they have huge scale, it's going to be very hard for them to pay you a monthly fee of whatever it is, even at the low end, like $1,000 a month. So how many $10 widgets are they going to have to sell to make enough profit to cover a you know $1,000 a month consulting fee plus ad spend on top. They might have a few thousand dollars of ad spend on top of that. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so some uh, yeah some businesses just don't, the numbers don't stack up in terms of hiring outside help or they just might not be for you. Like uh, you, there are some consultants who will work more like at a lower rate than that. We have um, our lowest plan, I think, starts at seven ninety five a month for really small businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, we just we can't deliver a result. We can't run a team and deliver a result kind of any lower than that. Um, yeah, it just becomes too hard, especially when you like you throw in a few phone calls a month and the back and forth, and that burns a lot of time. It's um, yeah, it's yeah, it's difficult. And if you have those clients who are like struggling to be profitable, even when they're you know, performing really well in terms of business, that's probably not going to work as as a client for you as a marketing agency. I think. Yeah, yeah. So, so that really all comes under the the heading of your your focus. So, what sort of business do you want to? What business or businesses do you want to work with? What sort of niches do you want to be in? Uh, and like, it, are you going to have a specific skill set that your agency focuses on, like Facebook ads? or Google AdWords, or just doing WordPress development, or et cetera, et cetera. So nothing say you can't do all of them. Like we do the majority of all those things on in our business, but we didn't at the, in the beginning. We focused on a couple of things, and then we expanded over time to, to fill the needs of some areas that we were having frustrations with trying to get other people to do. So, But I think starting off, work out. You know, maybe you just want to target the medical sector and do stuff for doctors and dentists, or maybe you want to do the law law uh, firms, or who knows? It's, it's endless what you could choose, and um, just go through and start trying to get customers in those areas. Uh, but it is easier. <laughs> it's, it's really logical when you say it, but it's easier working with companies that have got some sort of marketing budget, and they, you know, they're not scraping the pennies to try and do some sort of some form of marketing so uh, yeah unfortunately the micro business end of town is a difficult place to be in and not an area i would recommend uh going yeah what i mean that's that's about qualifying like one of the when you start a sales conversation with someone is um you need to qualify them like you have to uh make sure they're a good fit before you sell them anything, make sure they're a good fit for your business. Absolutely. That's one of the most powerful questions I learned in terms of a selling process is asking them what is their budget, what budget that they have in mind. And that'll, there's no right or wrong answer, but that'll tell you a whole load of things about that business with that simple question. Like that, you know, it'll be clear straight away whether they actually have a marketing budget or whether they don't. Um, and like you said, a business that has a marketing budget, they understand the, the commercials around, you know, a marketing spend generates more money than it costs. But, and sometimes you have to test it. Like sometimes a marketing campaign doesn't work and then you have to look into why it doesn't work. Like it's, uh, it's there's a whole lot of things that come off that question. Whereas a, a business that doesn't have a marketing budget, then you have to, you know, work that out with them. What can they, you know, work back from what is their customer lifetime value? How much can they afford to spend to acquire a customer? How much do they have to, to spend in free cash? Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a whole load of things that come off that as well. Because um, yeah. then you've got two sales to make, right? You've got to sell them on the fact that they should have a marketing budget and then you've got to sell them on your services and whatever the strategy is you come up with and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, and very rarely have they ever been asked those questions or know the answers to them or have thought about them and they, they really have no clue uh, what's involved. And unfortunately, there's a bit of a, a free mentality uh, a lot of people think they can just do free Facebook posts and various things, and that's what their marketing is going to be. So when you actually say, well, it's going to cost you X amount for us to set this up and do this or X amount to do this, uh, some of them look at you like you've got five heads because they've never even thought that that's going to be an issue. 
but then they very quickly come to the realization there's two options in the marketing space for a small business. You learn to do it yourself or a staff member learns to do it, which takes a lot of time upskilling and it's it's never as easy as it looks in terms of AdWords, SEO, Facebook ads. There's, there's a lot of in-depth things and just some small things can end up costing you a lot of money if you get them wrong. And uh, the next option is paying someone to do it. And then you've got a whole variation of of prices that potentially you're looking at from someone who's just started, like you know, brand new individual uh, person who's hung up their shingle to say, yes, we do Facebook ads, uh, or, a, or a company that's got 100 staff that does Facebook ads. Now, there's going to be two very different pricing strategies in there, and one's not necessarily better than the other, but that's, you know, that's what you're looking at. Mm. Yeah, and just a thought on the – because a lot of consultants shy away from they think that charging – and a lot of business owners are, like, shocked when you're like, oh, well, you know, SEO services for a small business are 1000 2000 a month. And then, you know, you have AdWords on top of that. So you might have an ad spend of a few thousand a month and then they're looking at a, you know, a spend of 5000 a month or more. But if you think about it in terms of staff, even a, like an entry to mid-level staff member is – say $40,000 a year salary, $45,000 a year salary. Mm. So if you look at it like that, that staff member costs you three to 4000 a month just to be there, um, if not more. Like they, they need equipment, they need a desk, they need everything, else, need everything they need to work and yeah. then training on top of that. So if you're having a, a staff member do that, an in-house marketing person, um, or you're doing it yourself, like you can't, your your time isn't free as a business owner or a manager. Of course not, like no. that's still like, for an entry-level staff member who doesn't have experience across a whole range of technologies and customers and industries and whatever else is is costing you three or four thousand dollars a month at the low end, and then on top of that, if they're if they're learning and they're not effective, then the marketing strategy isn't necessarily working either. So you've got another cost on top of that that you're not really seeing. So it's not a it's not a very simple question to answer i don't think around the, the pricing and the cost and things like that there's a lot of commercials that kind of sit around it i think yeah yeah exactly so um and that's yeah that's where having some sort of strategy and plan at the beginning and working out these things will help you uh make those decisions mm-hmm. so another thing which is vitally important and although you know we're talking about digital marketing and and advertising etc uh, probably one of the best ways that I think both you and I have built up our businesses is through networking and relationship building. Um, mm-hmm. That's where I get the majority of our business is through that uh, and repeat business and some from the internet. But that's typically where we get our best clients. So I think if you're starting out, one of the first things you should be doing is going to networking events, getting your name out there, Pressing the flesh, meeting people, finding out what what are their pain points, what they need help with, how you can solve their problems. And sometimes it may take doing some pro bono stuff, you know, and not charging these people for, for the work just to get a bit of a, a foot in the door. If you're brand spanking new, um, you know, it's sometimes hard to get the first paying customers. But if you've got some some good testimonials from people, they may or may not have necessarily paid for the work, but getting the testimonials that you've done good work can help. So there's all sorts of different ways you can go about it, but I firmly, firmly believe uh, relationship building, networking is a critical key uh, to any business, whether it's new or old, um, and that you should never really stop doing that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. We're the same. Most clients come from not from the website or online, but from... You know, referrals or in-person stuff or someone knows someone or, or whatever. Um, yeah, and it's very right. when you have a, you know, you're starting out or have a small agency, it can be expensive to get customers off the off the web or do advertising or things like that. Um, so, yeah, and it can also be very competitive. Like if you're trying to rank for SEO agency or AdWords agency or something like that, it's that's a very competitive space to play in, so... Um, it can be hard to get traction quickly there. And then you're playing in a, in a space that has, this is a, if you're uh, wanting to get customers straight from Google as an agency, then you're, you're competing with half a dozen other agencies that 
are in the search results as well that um yeah it can be hard to especially as a small business it can be hard to differentiate because big agencies can look really great and have fancy looking websites and things like that doesn't necessarily they do mean they do great work quite often they do horrible work but um that's not the perception the customer gets when or the client gets when they, they see the website yeah too true and that's where it really comes into uh building up your brand identity and getting people to see you in a different light what's your um, your key differentiator points of your business, what what is it you can offer the client that some of these other uh, organizations and agencies offer? Uh, so working on on that and that's a that's a bigger picture thing and it's a it's a really big subject whole the whole building a brand. Uh, we did a great episode uh, with Peter Engelhart on the the podcast. Um, we can put a, a link in the show notes for that for people to check out so that's also something that you should have in your uh, list of things to do is working on that brand identity and building that up so so people will think of you in a certain light or again that depends on what your overall goals are and what you're trying to achieve as to how you're going to be seen in the marketplace mm-hmm so what else what else should we talk about we've got lots of things on this list mate that we could go all day but we'll try and keep <laughs> we'll try and keep it under an hour because otherwise we'll get people complaining um, should we talk about um mix it up a bit so probably two things we really need to talk about is fulfillment client fulfillment like fulfilling the work mm-hmm. and um probably just some tools as well tools and tactics maybe yep okay which one do you want to tackle first what you, do you think you go mate well let's well, what about fulfillment? Let's talk about that because it kind of it plays. It's related to tools and tactics. Um, Definitely, we struggled. We struggled for many years with different. Uh, I don't know what you. I think you use Basecamp, but we struggled for. We I think we tried eight different project management systems uh, yeah, before Trello. we settled on on we're Zendesk. Using, we're using Trello. That was our main platform. Yeah. Yeah, so we we use Zendesk now. Um, Zendesk and Process Street are the two tools that we use primarily, and some Google Docs mm-hmm. um, as our fulfillment tools. A lot of different agencies use different things, um, but we've. I like Zendesk. We use it in two ways. We have our internal jobs in there, um, so the what we call internal tickets, and then we have customer facing tickets. So the customer facing tickets are effectively like projects and then the internal tickets are like tasks on those projects and we have a bunch of um a bunch of add-ons or for zendesk a bunch of apps that facilitate that but we liked it because most of the stuff we do back and forth with customers is via email so it was a good way to keep it all in one place um and we also wanted a system that could deal with big jobs and small jobs equally well and um had found that we tried Basecamp. I think the newer versions of Basecamp are a lot better, but back in the day, the ba- the version of just it was no good for little jobs. So um, yeah, I that was like problematic. It. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Basecamp. Um, and Process Street we've started using in the last year, maybe last two years, um, which has been amazing. Like it's been a game changer. So it's kind of like a a process management system and checklist system all in one so the processes are effectively templates that become checklists um so it's made things a lot easier and it just eliminates it it has eliminated a lot of the dropping balls and um you know as long as the checklist is done then we know things are done correctly um so those are really our two tools and google docs as well is great rather than we we share Google Docs with clients rather than big, long emails back and forth, which is a lot easier. It's a lot better for collaboration. Um, yeah, we use, so yeah, we use that as well. Um, so, yeah, we've mainly been using Trello, but we're experimenting with a different one at the moment because we found we were hitting limitations with Trello. Um, so there's one we're using at the moment called Glip. So I don't know whether you've heard of, heard of Glip. Yeah. Well, what was the Trello? You were just hitting too many clients or too much work or...? Yeah, and it wasn't really. I just don't think it was that um, refined as a lot of the other ones that we were looking at. And we looked at ones like Asana, and I can't remember the other one. But the the thing is, uh, my business partner Alan and the team—they're the ones that sort of mainly work in that. Because my main role in the company is uh, business development, so um, a lot of the stuff, the day to day 
stuff. I'm in there and I get notified on various things, but these are those guys use the actual tool way more than I do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they just didn't like Trello for some particular reason. And yeah. we, I think we tried something else. It, it's it's a it is a tricky thing because there are many shiny objects with uh, project management sort of staff management tools and um yeah finding one that works with you you just got to be persistent and and work through it before you decide to change onto something else yeah we've customized our zendesk a lot but it's not a we're on one of the higher level plans now so including that so we have a bunch of apps mainly from a company called sweethawk um that kind of fill gaps in a lot of zendesk zendesk functionality like it adds reminders and it adds calendar we can schedule work in a calendar and things like that and i think yeah we're paying like something like including the apps like 70 or 80 bucks a month us per user so um yeah it's not cheap but it's also at the same time staff aren't cheap either so inefficiency is not not cheap you know like a typical staff member is at the low end costs 20 or 30 bucks an hour so you know that's not yeah. really if you like in that's the, i mean that's the way i look at it like at these tools um if they if they're gonna it 80 bucks a month might seem expensive per user but you think about it compared to the hourly cost of a staff member that's not really much to save a whole bunch of time and and um just make communication a lot easier so that's like the software we use probably eliminates a whole you know several staff members with all the automation that's in zendesk Mm. uh zapier we use a lot so zapier we can we do a lot like some of the checkouts some of our lower end products and um, are connected to Zendesk via Zapier. Mm-hmm. So when a customer orders something, then it does, go and does a whole bunch of stuff and it adds a whole bunch of tickets and checklists into um, tickets in Zendesk. So that's really good. Um, and that's the else? thing. A lot, of, a lot of these tools can actually uh, save you a lot of money because they do replace what a staff member typically would do. So, mm-hmm. so really that comes down to the question is, do you want staff? Do you need staff? And yes, if you want to grow to a certain level, you cannot do any more as a single person um, to get past that because you, you come up with the time restrictions and you've got to have a life. So at the end of the day, you can leverage your time with technology and you can leverage your time with people. And now those people don't necessarily have to be full-time staff. You could outsource to different companies you can um you know you can get places like freelancer to provide the work or whatever it is you want you want to find that's actually going to be getting yourself uh leveraged so yeah so that's another thing do you want to have staff some people don't ever want to have staff they just don't want to take on the responsibility of doing that and i can understand why that would be um not appealing to some people so what are your thoughts on that one yeah i mean it's gonna be hard to grow without people right it's um it can seem i'm kind of like in two minds about this so you know i've had 25 staff as a business and i've also been a solo freelancer and i think there's a happy medium in between um with our company right now, I don't think I want to grow. I think we have one, two, five. We'll have seven people next week um, in total, uh, and I don't think I want to grow much past or past ten staff. Uh, largely because once you get over that, like one person can really only have seven or ten direct reports, seven to people that they manage directly. And once you get above that, then you need a whole a, a structure of of management. Um, and also, once you get above kind of ten staff, the business changes. So, yeah. you know, when you have twenty people, there's always someone who's sick. There's always someone who's away on holidays, and then you probably have someone who's had a falling out with someone else, or that have some conflict with someone else in the team. Because it's inevitable. You put twenty people in a room, there's going to be two personalities that don't really gel that well together. So, um, what from my experience and my skill set, I found that once you get kind of above that ten mark. Um, it becomes a different business. There's new new things to manage. HR becomes a, a much bigger piece of the puzzle because definitely you just you get over that magic number where you need to have more managers in the business to manage. They, they become like instead of one team, they become multiple teams in effect. So that's that's my personal view. I think um, 
you know, you got to be careful with the the staff thing. Like I understand, um, you know, there's a lot of different uh, facets to it. Like it's um, if you take people on, it's your responsibility. You know, depending on where those staff are. Like some people, we have a team in the Philippines, we have a team in Australia. Like it's um, yeah, that's those it. people have families and kids and lives and mortgages and commitments that they're all relying on you. So I I don't hire staff flippantly because you know they're they're relying on me their their life is you know we're basically you know they're making money from they're getting paid when when the business makes money so there's a lot of responsibility they're taking on staff as well um and then on the other side you can't run yourself into the ground like you can't do everything like you need a team if you're going to grow beyond being a freelancer so yeah yeah definitely and, and that's really comes back to that original a uh, few points that we made is why are you doing it? What are you? What are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? And your, your goal could be to make a hundred grand a year, have a small consultancy business, be mobile and be able to travel and run it all from the road and work from your laptop or whatever it is, you know. So that that may be all you want to do uh, to achieve, I should say, and the, and you can do that. Uh, with a limited amount of staff or outsourcing, you don't need to have a permanent place set up. You don't ha- need to have permanent staff. So, but if you want to grow a business and sell it for twenty million dollars, well, yeah, you're going to have to go through those pain points and take on HR managers and various things to to get to that level to have a business that you're going to be able to sell for that sort of price. You're not going to get a twenty million dollar sale from a hundred thousand dollar income. So. <laughs> Would be nice, but that's not how the world works. So, yeah, it comes down to that. So that's sort of the, the, the staffing question really feeds back to the original few few points that we're, we're talking about. So, yeah. Um, well, let's talk about financial systems and financial controls. So what do you use? Um, what do you use to bill clients? How do they pay you? What accounting system are you using? Well, a really good friend of mine that I do a podcast with called Brendan – <laughs> um, kept telling me I should get on to using this tool called Zero with an X, X-E-R-O. And I'd, heard, I'd, I'd known about it for years and I'd been using MyOB, uh, but we were using MyOB for the business as an accounting bookkeeping tool and it was, it was a piece of software that was installed on a particular laptop. It wasn't cloud-based. It could only be done on that laptop, so the person had to turn up and do it there all the time. It was just really, really old tech. So probably, I don't know, it be four years ago now, we went on to using Zero. So we do all of our invoicing through Zero. It's automated, reminders for monthly billing. Um, also, we've got the... It's connected to Stripe for, for credit card payments if people choose to do credit card payments. Uh, really easy. We Our accountant has login access to it so they can go in and do stuff where they are. Our bookkeeper logs in. Uh, all our invoices just go in there. All Pretty much all of our invoices or receipts are digital now. Um, we've got practically nothing that is physically in paper. Like I, haven't, I don't print anything off my printer anymore literally mm-hmm. it doesn't get used i can't remember the last time i printed anything off of my printer so uh, anything that comes in that's digital it gets put into the inbox in zero uh that's the the invoice and the the uh, bookkeeper processes it through there so it's pretty streamlined that's it's great and i know you use zero but you use a couple other things as well don't you yeah so we've got zero Charge Same B, as you. Something else. Charge B. Yeah. Charge B. It's just, oh, the product is pretty good. The, the name is terrible. Um, so we use Charge B for a lot of, we still use Zero Two for a lot of the invoicing and recurring billing, and we use Charge B as well. One thing I liked about Charge B is you can manually set up recurring billing or customers can order off the web. Um, so it's really good. It's probably out of all the recurring billing tools that were web website integratable. Yeah, it was probably the and best is, at the time. Is that um, the main difference you would use it? So why would because Zero does automated recurring billing uh, yep. for accounts, but you're using it more as a online ordering recurring billing. So different thing. Yeah. So. So zero is great for like our retainer marketing clients because those are bigger invoices and usually those are – because okay, so the way – let's take a step back. The way I look at 
the, the clients and customers. We have clients who we have relationships with and ongoing relationships and those are typically they're like on a monthly recurring retainer, whatever it is, and we manage yeah. different things for them. Mm-hmm. And then we have customers and we pretty much sell them products and it's more of a transactional relationship. So we almost have two businesses in one mm-hmm. and those products are things like hosting and we have a bunch of uh, other smaller services like uh, we have a speed fix service, WP speed fix. We fix WordPress speed problems. So I, I, I kind of think of them as two separate parts of the business. One's a relationship um, uh, kind of uh, setup where we sell services and it's a relationship and then one's more like products or productized services where they're transactions. So the transactional stuff typically is charge B. So most of our hosting billing is in charge B. Customers can sign up on the web um, for hosting through charge B. So that's where most of that happens. Um, so yeah, that's the difference. So Stripe is integrated with both. Charge B talks back to zero. So any invoices that come out of Charge B get inserted into zero. Uh, what else? We've got PayPal as well that we take payments on. Mm-hmm. And then we have a couple of other more simple checkouts. We use Gravity Forms for checkouts on some pages okay. for some of the stuff that's not recurring. So Charge B doesn't do non-recurring stuff very well, which kind of annoys me because um, I just love to use it for everything as a checkout. Uh, and I got an email this week that yeah, they're yeah. changing. Yeah. They're changing their um, pricing structure, and they're like charging a percentage of the revenue you put through, which I really hate. Like, a, like I, I hate any software that wants a cut of your revenue. Like to me, that's like just total crap. Because it's not their business. They want it. It's just a money grab. Like you're dead right. I'm happy to yeah. pay for their. Like I don't charge customers a percentage of their revenue when I do work. No. So like it kind of pisses me off when these software tools that it's just pure money grab because they don't cost any more to run. It's like a piece of software that runs on a server. So I'm kind of like, okay, ChargeMe is great, and I would recommend it to anybody. But now I'm like, well, they, now they want like 06 percent of your revenue. I'm like, yeah. No, I don't want to pay you that. So no, and I think they're going to lose business uh, on on that. And um, yeah, that's that's okay. So you're using zero, and you're using charge B, um, and there's probably something else of an of an equivalent. There's always two or three versions of some type of software or service. It's very rarely that they're they're just the only one. And you look at the plethora of different uh, tools you can connect to come to things like zero or any of your your marketing products like if you're using click funnels or uh, lead pages which are um, landing page marketing funnel tools it's it's quite amazing all the different uh, companies that exist out there and services that exist in things like charge beam so you're never stuck with one so mm-hmm. so what else um, in terms of uh, that's really it bookkeeping it's not that complicated yeah. zero is quite expandable we have a we have a bookkeeper i'd say i see a lot of people that in like friends and people in business doing their own bookkeeping i'm like that's probably the i think that's the first thing we outsourced yeah. or hired yeah. a person to do because it like, was yeah for us too yeah, i'm like i hate it it oh, needs God. to be done like the books yeah. need to be up to date and like Regardless what I want from a legal and statutory compliance and paying tax, they need to be up to date, like legally. So that was the I think the first person I I hired in this business was our bookkeeper. Yeah, um, I'm amazed at how many people don't though, because our bookkeeper tells some horrid stories. She never mentions mm-hmm. names of businesses, of course, but uh, she's just get some of the scenarios that she gives and people who haven't paid their bass for like seven years or have millions of dollars in taxes owing and stuff like that and get themselves into all these weird positions. So keep on top of this sort of stuff is critical as well. Not It's great that you've got zero in the tool, but you need to use it and you need to um, make sure that the revenue you're taking in, you're putting aside the, the BAS payment money. That 10, yeah. Put away that 10% uh, in a separate fund somewhere that you're not going, you know, every quarter comes around or whatever, whatever how often you're paying your, your BAS and you go, oh, shit. <laughs> We've, we've yeah, been we talked to, before. Yeah, well, we talked, uh, like the financials are important, like you need to run. That was probably one of the biggest lessons I learned um, in running a business that uh, the numbers are important. And we talked, like, I think, uh, I don't know the episode number, but we did talk with Lisa Reed on yeah. an earlier episode about that sort of stuff and having numbers up to date. And 
we'll the, diff- the three different types of accountants and things like that. Because it's really, I mean, you need to know whether you're making profit. Just because there's dollars in the bank doesn't mean you actually that is profit. Um, so yeah, I think the having that the financial systems and reporting in place is really important. Um, and not treating, a, especially when you start, not treating the business account as your personal piggy bank. Having business finances separate to um, your personal finances, and uh, also running once you've uh, got some momentum, actually setting up a corporate entity to run the business under, because there's a whole bunch of uh, mm. liability issues if you're not running as a so in Australia a proprietary limited company, because um, it gives you protection. If you screw something up and a customer decides to sue you. Uh, or you lose their data or something, um, yeah, the company structure provides you with protection. It's not just a tax vehicle. There's a whole bunch of other legal things it does. Of course, um, yeah. Which, and, uh, which then is also important to point out that you probably should have some type of insurance if you're uh, dealing with this stuff as well because things happen, servers burn down, you know, yeah, problems yep. occur. So, um, yeah, yeah Pro- we have professional, a, professional indemnity insurance, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and some clients, uh, some of our bigger clients actually want to see the the insurance certificate before they'll sign contracts. So um, we, we actually needed to up, I think we have $5 million of insurance and we had to up it to $10 million at one point for one client. So um, yeah, I mean, it's not just a, you don't <laughs> decide to start a, an agency one day and put out your shingle and you're done. There's a lot of legal and compliance things that you need to be aware of and it's, uh, ignorance, being ignorant is not a defense um, once the, the ATO or the IRS come knocking at your door wanting their tax money. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah so have a, uh, have a good bookkeeper, a good accountant and access to a good lawyer that knows this sort of business is, uh, is very wise. Um, so speaking of invoices and various things, pricing. Now, pricing is a, an interesting one because I look back to what I was charging when I first started 14-odd years ago, and it's quite laughable. It was 14 years ago, so, okay, count inflation and all that sort of stuff, but still it was fighting my feet, so I was sort of experimenting and uh, trying to get as many people on board as I could, so I was, I was trying to li- limit that price uh, barrier. Uh, but it really comes down to... There's real no, there's no real strict pricing structure out there. Like you can go and get a quote for a website, as an example, and we've had people that would pay us ten thousand dollars for a website that we would build, and there's uh, they've gone and paid someone before they came to us fifty or sixty grand for the same website. Um, yet that being said, you could probably get someone in the Philippines or India. To build the same site we charge ten grand for for a thousand bucks. Now, there's pros and cons to all of those different areas, and it really depends on what you're trying to achieve and what sort of interaction you want to have with the web developers, uh, all that sort of thing. So, th- there really, there really is no one size fits all, is there? No, definitely not. And like for me, like I said before, having the because a lot of people don't want to talk to clients. They want to they don't want to have to get on the phone and be accountable to people and, you know, that sort of thing and meet with clients. And you need to be careful about what you're selling them. So you can sell them at the like again it comes back to is it a transactional relationship or is it a, you know, full consulting sort of relationship. So if you want to be charging thousands of dollars a month, you can be pretty sure that a customer is going to want to have to get on a phone want to get on a phone call and before they buy and talk to you about it and then on a regular basis um, talk to you about what's going on and reviewing reports and, you know, strategy and everything like that. Um, So, yeah, there's definitely no, you know, there's a lot of people who say you should be charging, you know, you'll see like specialist sales consultants tell you they shouldn't be charging any less than five grand a month, but that's a different type of relationship with a customer to a $500 a month relationship because um, one is more they're basically getting a productized service or even products and one is like a complete just fully consulting relationship where it's all customized and nothing's really yeah. off the shelf or running through a standard process. So it's there's no right or wrong answer but you need to be careful. Like you can't, you know, someone gives you five grand a month for marketing and then, you know, another 10 or 20 grand a month on ads of ad spend uh, on top of that, they're going to want a, a, some love and consulting and 
customization and and you know they're going to want to see results so you need to have the the conversation you need to be having the conversations with them to get those results i think so you can't just you know put up an online ordering form and people are going to put through five thousand dollar orders and you know never want to talk to you kind of thing so um yeah i think you need to be mindful of that and then you know people don't really order it's you know you're not going to get a cold visitor to the website who hits the order button on a two thousand dollar a month service without learning a bit a bit more about you and your strategy and how you work and you know how you're going to deliver results for them like you can do that for low-end services like hosting we have people who buy hosting straight off the website but yeah yeah it's uh you know, people want to have a talk. Like, those are consulting services at the thousands of dollars a month price range. Mm. And, and look, and that's interesting that you bring that up in terms of a fairly critical thing that we haven't even mentioned yet. And it sort of does <laughs> the irony would be if you didn't have this uh, for the, the the type of business that we're talking about, it would be a bit weird. You really need to have a web presence, <laughs> so you need to have a website. So you've got a budget for getting a website done, and if you're a website developer who's starting an agency, well, easy peasy, you go and build your own site. But you need to have a website, um, and you need to have have it set up so it's easy for them to communicate with you. Um, no doubt you've had this where you've got a website and trying to find how to get in touch with someone can be quite challenging. Contact mm-hmm. pages are hidden. There's no phone numbers. There's... Uh, no live chat, so having live chat is good. Using something like Drift, um, so yeah, there's Drift has been great. Like that's like my uh, secret weapon of the last four months. Um, just it's not, even to it's interact. Not that secret because you told me about it. <laughs> well, you know, it, just as a like we've talked about Zopim in the past and other live chat tools, and I just yeah, like not, not as good. Yeah, the the interface on Drift is fantastic from the visitor to the website perspective and just the the back end of it. So easy on mobile and, you know, you can do live chats anywhere basically. And it has a lot more automation. It has a lot of automation built into it as well that you can do different magical things. Yeah, and not not expensive per user considering that it only has to work once a month and it's paid for itself 10 times mm -hmm. over really. Well, depending on what you're selling, of course, but... Uh, even on low-end things, it's worth having that. And, uh, yeah, great, great tool. So, yeah, so you need to have – I come across this often all the time, even with people who are getting into this space that are considering it, thinking that they can run the whole thing off a Facebook page. It's like, no, <laughs> you can't. Uh, it's one of the first things people do is go and check your website and your web presence and what you've, what you've got out there. So you do need to have a website. You really can't be promoting digital marketing agency and not have a website. So yeah, definitely. All right. We, mm. We're almost at an hour. Um, yeah. So a couple of last things would be making sure you've got some sort of uh, reporting tools in place and, uh, things for budgeting and forecasting. What what do you guys use uh, for customer reports? So we use Raven Tools. Has been, yep. I think we've had a subscription since we started for like eight years or ten years or something. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think we've been around for ten years, but like somewhere between eight and nine years. We've yeah, had it has that. been. Yeah. Always, yeah, it started in um, two thousand and nine, I think. So. Right. Okay. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it was fairly new when we started using it. Mm-hmm. I like it for. Um, it pulls a lot of data from Google Analytics, but it gives uh, it makes really nice PDF reports that are a lot easier for customers to kind of understand than Google Analytics, which most customers, most of our clients don't have the patience or time to be digging in there. And it's just hard to get a like in Raven. We have a monthly report that says this is what happened this month and this is compared to last month, so it's really easy to get it. It's kind of a management level report. Um, we don't really do. We do some rank tracking, but we don't focus on that because that's only really part of the puzzle. Like, um, you know, we can get by changing things on the website, like adding a phone number to the header, we can um, we can get more inquiries, and the rank doesn't need to change. So, try not to get customers to focus on ranking so much, um, but more like inquiries and how things are going from the business perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, we've tried over the years. I don't know what your thoughts are, but we've tried to do various conversion tracking phone call tracking kind of things and we haven't had great success with it it's always kind of come down to customers saying well if 
you know, we know it's working if we're getting more business and we just know it shows in the numbers. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, the phone call side is always a bit of a sketchy thing and trying to get ex- exacting measurements from that. It's easier if you're doing online sales and you can do the do the conversion tracking through the website and that's you know pretty damn accurate in these days with what's available through analytics and AdWords and Facebook tracking stuff. But uh, the the telephone stuff, there there seem to be getting better systems out there in place to do it. But but I agree. Typically, uh, someone engages you to do work for them, and they haven't been getting any phone calls, and their phone's not ringing, blah blah blah. And then you start doing work from uh, uh, doing ads, doing SEO campaigns, and then their phone starts ringing off the hook. There's really only one reason that's happened. <laughs> so so and they're happy. Look, as long as they're busy. Uh, and and that that's working, and you can demonstrate in some way, shape, or form that stuff you're doing is com- is converting. Then, uh, then that's good. But yeah, do you guys do any phone tracking? No, we're starting that? to we're starting to look into it. Google seems to be getting better with what they're providing, and there's a couple of new tools around now. That off the top of my head, I can't remember what they are. I was looking at one the other day that seems to be getting better, but I don't think there's any really any great solution at the moment. Uh, yeah, yeah. there's no there's no magic bullet. I think because a, a lot of bigger agencies throw these fancy reports around, um, and the reports can be useful, but it does really come back to the you know at the end of the day that like I know with our business, like I know whether marketing's working. I don't even need to look at a, like a a conversion chart. I can look at my financials and look at the number of sales that have come through, and you can just tell. Um, you know, it's it's a bit different, like where there's a you know depending on how commercially mature the client is and marketing spends and things like that and their own internal reporting it it can be useful but yeah i've just it's uh it's it's one report but it's not this i think it's and software companies that run these kind of report or provide these reporting tools kind of guilty of making it out like it's some magic bullet solution that if you have phone call tracking clients will love you but yeah if, at the end of the day if the client's not getting more business they're not going to be happy anyway right yeah Exactly it. So, um, yeah. So yeah, we use uh, Raven tools as well. And there's one I'm looking at now that I'm contemplating having a try of called Report Garden. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it to you before. I haven't used it, so I can't recommend it at this moment in time. But that's they they seem quite good. They integrate with with uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, so they they do all that sort of stuff as well for reporting for conversions. So. Anyway, there's always new tools coming out. Um, we'll really only recommend ones that we've used or know in some way, shape, or form. So, mm. there's a lot of report. Like, there's a lot of things that do monthly reports. I just, for me, Raven's great because it does it in a PDF and sends them an email. And it's, I don't know. A lot of people have these live reporting dashboards where people log in. But I have like any clients that are where the clients like commercially mature and they're busy running their business. They don't really care. Like at that. I think there's a tendency to because we do online marketing all day long. We think that our customers think about it all day long, but they really no, they kind of don't. They definitely they're, don't. they're running their business. So, I've we've t- tried stuff like that in the past, where like you get this live dashboard to log in, but no one uses it. So, nah. um, I, I totally agree. Yeah, a, a, yeah. A clearly laid out PDF is just as good, and they can scan through it, and they've got it on record. They can look at it any time, month by month is fine. So. That's all. That's all good. Um, so, look, there's more things we could talk about. That's not the be all and end all of running a digital marketing agency, but it's some some important things to think of. So, hopefully, we've we've dropped a few little nuggets in there for people who are mm-hmm. getting started or thinking of doing it. Uh, we'd prefer you didn't. We don't. We don't want the competition. So, so <laughs> piss off. Uh, no, only, <laughs> only, only kidding. Um, competition is good. It keeps everyone uh, innovating and and coming up with new things. And uh, and yeah, it was one, another point that I had was try try not to just copy what everyone else is doing. Be original. Come up with some diff- yeah. different angles of how you do business. Or um, I have a strategy. Like we like there's like six or seven um, podcast episodes around episode fifty, I think, where we share the strategy that we use, and that's our particular strategy for working with clients. Mm. Um, and we we had a, several different verticals. We shared the strategy, but um, yeah, different agencies have different strategies. So 
Um, I don't know about you, but I I found that developing our own that's part of our kind of our USP is that's our unique way of that's our approach and it works for us. Um, yeah, and yeah. It's for our clients and the, the type of market. Now it doesn't necessarily. It, it actually, I know that some of the approach needs to be tweaked for a US market. Um, so yeah, I, 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 for me, having a, a standardized approach that we use when we start talking to a customer is like a good starting point, and then we can customize it on top as required. So yeah, I think it's you know you read so much stuff online about how it's done, and a lot of it's out of date or just plain wrong or someone's opinion. So. Um, yeah, forming an independent approach, I think, is important because then that's something unique you're doing. You're doing it differently to, to your next competitor. Yeah, so. and don't be afraid. Look, we get a fair amount of business from some of the bigger agencies in Perth that I've made connections with and know the owners of, and they send us work because the our category of client is not big enough for them. They're after the, like the, you know, the top 10% businesses that they're dealing with. That's their, their strategy and what they're set up to deal with. Um, so a lot of the people who do come to them, they just don't have the budget to, to work with these particular agencies. So they'll refer them on to us or someone else. But if you, you know, strike up a relationship with someone who's, you know, some of the big players that are agencies and see how you go from there, it doesn't do any harm to make yourself mm-hmm. known. And, uh, you may end up getting some work from them as well if they, if you, if you have a good relationship with them. And again, it comes back to that networking relationship building. Um, so. Don't, don't be shy doing that. Mm. Cool. All right, mate. Well, uh, any questions, let us know in the comment section or send us an email or however you want to communicate with us. Uh, it's Facts. Send us a fax. Send us a fax. <laughs> yes, we're a highly technologically advanced uh, digital marketing agency that has a fax machine. I'm sure Fax so- is coming back, Ed. Fax, is direct facts. Yep. Direct facts. All right. You've heard it first on the- Some fax machine spamming. You've heard it first on the digital marketing show. Fax is fax. <laughs> it's not even the digital marketing show. You don't even know the name of your own No, podcast. this is true. It, but <laughs> we've been talking digital marketing, so it is it is a digital marketing show. But it's going to rename it? Yeah, yeah, we should. We'll call it a digital marketing show. That name's already taken by somebody else, so we can't get that domain, so that would suck. So, so thank you for listening. Thank you, Brendan, for your time. And your wisdom. Thanks, Ed. And um, you've got some news to share, Brendan. Uh, I don't know. Whether, are you ready to share that news? No, this? we can do it on another episode. Uh, another episode? Okay. Well, I'm opening an office. That's news. Yeah, that's that's, that's news. Yeah, uh, Brendan's yeah. opening an office. Uh, but there's other news. Well, you have to tune in to the next episode. Maybe Brendan will reveal that then. So Next time. Next time. There's a hook. We've got a hook on our podcast for the first time ever. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.